I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 1, um, the first 14 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Well, good morning to each and every one of you. Thank you for inviting me into your homes, and we trust that as we share something of God's Word, uh, there'll be a connection for you in something that's said this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you want to communicate with us. We thank you that you have something to share with each of us this morning. We pray that your Spirit will take up your Word and that, Lord, it'll find a place in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, uh, Peter Hope laid a good, solid foundation for our new series, Stay Connected. We're in the second week of that series, and our theme this morning is, In Christ, We Are Chosen. There's a key verse that we're using throughout the series. It's one of our verses of the year. In John 15:4, Jesus says, Remain in me as I remain in you also. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I wonder if you can remember a time when you were chosen for a special part or chosen for a specific particular task. Maybe you were chosen to act in a drama, uh, play a, a musical instrument in a performance. Maybe you were chosen for promotion at work. 
may be chosen to represent a sports team or indeed to fulfill a ministry here at NCBC. How did you feel when you were chosen? Proud, encouraged, blessed? I'm sure each of those words would describe how you felt. Conversely, it may be true that you were overlooked for promotion or you weren't selected to represent that sports team. I want to take you back a few years. Uh, in my case, it's, uh, it's a few decades. I want to take you back to the school playground. Here's the picture. There are two captains who are choosing individual teams. All the prospective players are lined up, and the usual suspects are chosen first, and, well, you're not really disappointed with that. You expected that. And after a few minutes, there are only two people left. Now, you're bound to get picked. But no, they go for the weedy kid next to you who will get blown over with a big gust of wind. You're left standing on your own in a line of one. And then the discussion ensues between the two captains as they look at you. You can have him. No, we don't want him. You can have him. I wonder how you would have felt. Proud, encouraged, blessed, anything but. You'd have felt sad, disappointed, You'd have felt crushed or rejected. Nobody really wanted you. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I've got some really, really good news for you. You are truly blessed. I don't know what's going on in your life. You may be going through very difficult circumstances. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you are truly blessed. You've been chosen You've been chosen by a God who loves you. You are truly blessed. Verses 3 to 14 of Ephesians 1, one complex sentence in the original Greek. And Paul blesses God for blessing us with every conceivable blessing. The words sort of pour out of his mouth like water flowing down a waterfall in a continuous cascade of praise. The phrase in Christ or in him occurs 11 times in the first 14 verses. In Christ means in a relationship with Christ. In him means in a relationship with him. It refers to Christians who are personally united in a relationship with Christ. Ephesians 1.11 in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So does this mean that God just chose some people and rejected others? Did he just randomly pick and choose some people to be saved and reject others? No, this is the the marvelous but mysterious doctrine of election and predestination. A doctrine that has confused some and confounded others 
down the ages. God has chosen us. What a blessing. And in verse 4, we read, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. In His divine sovereignty, God chose us before creation. You see, God always takes initiative, whether it's in creation, salvation, calling people into a relationship with Himself. And salvation begins with God and not with us. In pre-creation eternity, God did something very special. He chose us for a relationship with Christ. He put us and Christ together in his mind. Our choosing, the fact that we're choosing, is based purely on God's grace. Not on the basis of who we are, not on the basis of what we have done. God chose us on the basis of knowing in advance what our response would be. In his foreknowledge, he knew who would accept his son and who would reject him. In verse 5, we read, He that is God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. The word predestined simply means to ordain beforehand or to predetermine. Now we could spend the whole of the message. We could spend all day and every day debating and discussing the doctrine of election and predestination. I want to get to the heart of the message this morning. I want to ask the question, what are the practical implications of this doctrine? Why are we chosen? Well, we're chosen for a purpose. In fact, I've selected three purposes from Scripture. First of all, we're chosen to be fruitful. In John 15, 16, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Before we go any further, as we look at that verse, here's another reminder of our election. We chose to follow Jesus only because he had first chosen us. Now, of course, the purpose of the vine is, is not just for decoration. The purpose of a vine is to bear fruit. The branch only produces fruit if it's connected to the vine. And... My friends, we'll never be fruitful in our Christian lives unless we stay connected to Christ in a living union, drawing our strength, our nourishment, and our life, life from him. So in what ways can we be fruitful? I've chosen two. We bear fruit when we seek to reach others for Christ. We bear fruit as we reach out to others with the good news of Jesus Christ. Remember the person who first told you about the Christian faith. Remember the person who led you so that you became part of the family of God. Why does Jesus use the analogy, analogy of fruit. Well, here's a few possible thoughts. Fruit is obviously attractive. 
You go into someone's home and you see a lovely bowl of mixed fruit. There's nothing more attractive than that. Are we attractive as followers of Jesus Christ? Do we attract others? Or do we push them away? Do we repel them? Fruit is tasty. I wonder if we leave a good taste in the mouth after we've spoken possibly with an unbeliever. Fruit is refreshing. Do we refresh other believers in the NCBC family? Or do we drain them? Fruit is healthy. Are we spiritually healthy people to be around? What do people catch from us? Well, hopefully not COVID, but a sense that we're different. When we come into contact with people, do we make them hungry and thirsty for what we've got? Are we contagious as followers of Jesus? Bill Hybels with Mark Mittelberg wrote a book called Becoming a Contagious Christian. It's an excellent book. If you're looking for a Christian book to read, I would recommend Becoming a Contagious Christian. It's all about helping Christians communicate their faith in a style that fits them. Not all of us communicate in reaching out to other people in exactly the same way. Of course, being fruitful is a progress, a process. It takes time. It takes cultivation to produce fruit. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm still waiting to see some fruit from my plum tree in the back garden. It hasn't happened yet, but I've got to be patient. Being fruitful is a permanent impact. Jesus talks not just about fruit. Fruit can go off. He talks about fruit that will last into eternity. So we're fruitful when we seek to reach others for Christ. We also bear fruit when we reflect Christ's character. John 15, 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as disciples, our desire should be to emulate the character of our leader. In being fruitful, we we actually demonstrate that we are his followers. I can't mention fruit without referring to Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One fruit, nine separate flavors. No Christian has all the spiritual gifts, but all Christians are expected to display all of the fruit. As you think about that list, is there one flavor that God wants to allow his Holy Spirit to work on in your life? To be more loving, to be more peaceful, to be kinder, to be more patient. It's important to recognize that without being connected to Christ, we cannot bear any fruit. In fact, we're impotent. Jesus says in verse 15, in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
trying to accomplish anything of spiritual worth and permanence in our own strength just does not work. In fact, if we try to accomplish things in our own strength, it causes us to be tired, discouraged, irritated, and maybe critical of other people. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Is there something we're trying to accomplish without Jesus? Stay connected to be fruitful. Secondly, we're chosen to be obedient. In his first letter, Peter writes to God's elect and goes on to say, God's elect who have been chosen according to the full knowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Chosen to be obedient. You don't really need me to tell you that respect for authority has diminished over the years. Whether it's respect for the police, for the ambulance service, for for teachers, for politicians or parents, we can see the virtual demise of respect in this country. And that often leads to disobedience. If we are followers of Jesus, we have been chosen to obey him. I find it incredible that Jesus modeled obedience. In Luke 2, we read that he was obedient to his parents. King of kings, Lord of lords, the one involved in creation became obedient to human parents. Jesus modeled obedience. Jesus taught obedience. In John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. If we love someone, we'll try and do what they ask of us. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, means to obey him, to go the way that he goes, to accept his plans and his purposes for the whole of our lives. Obedience is the hallmark of the committed Christian. Listen to what Jim Wallace said. I find this quite striking. The great tragedy of modern evangelism is in calling many to belief, but few to obedience. Let me repeat that. The great tragedy of modern evangelism is in calling many to belief, but few to obedience. Let's just pause for a moment. People ask simply to pray the sinner's prayer. That's great. That'll get you into the kingdom. But we need to be saying to people, it's not just about praying a prayer. It's not just about believing and receiving. It is committing yourself to a life of discipleship, a life of obedience. Wallace goes on and says, somehow we have slowly skewed our understanding of giving our lives to Christ. In the early church, it meant a deep commitment to discipleship, following the Jesus way, wherever that would take us. 
Of course, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient. He was always obedient to the Father. He was obedient to death, even death on the cross, the ultimate form of obedience. Is there something that God has told you to do and you've just been resisting? You've been resistant, possibly making excuses for why you shouldn't obey. God would say today, stay connected and be obedient. We're chosen to be fruitful, we're chosen to be obedient, and finally, we're chosen to be holy. Verse 4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Peter writes in verse 15 and 16 of his uh, first chapter. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, be holy, because I am holy. Now, the word holy, um, it can sound a bit super spiritual. It simply means being separate, being set apart sometimes translated as saints or sanctified. Being holy simply means being different and distinct in our actions and our reactions. In fact, to be holy is simply to be like Jesus. Our God is a loving, gracious, forgiving Father God, but he's also a holy God who wants us to be holy in our thoughts and actions. And holiness is a progressive development in our lives. It doesn't happen overnight. We can come to faith in Christ in an instant, but that is just the start of what God wants to do in our lives through his Spirit. We call the process of that development sanctification. We have a deeper sense of our sin and being set apart for the purposes of God. And none of this can happen without the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The way we live can have a major effect on others. I believe that I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for the fact that I met Julie when we were working in the civil service. I was attracted physically to her, of course. But there was something else attractive as well. I could tell that she was different I wouldn't have used the word holy, and she wouldn't have described herself as being holy, but she was different. She was distinct from everybody else. And that attracted me to her. But it also made me feel uncomfortable with the life that I was living. See, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we are aware of our sinfulness. Remember Peter, after they'd finished fishing, I think it's in, in Luke 5, Peter says to Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we'll be aware of our sin. Being holy doesn't mean that we don't continue to live in the real world, world that we move into a monastery or a convent and cut ourselves off. It means that we live distinctive lives. It means that we ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to empower us to live lives that reflect his holiness in all the practical aspects of our lives. 
Thomas Oden said this, God's holiness is not an unloving holiness, and God's love is not an unholy love. It's only by keeping these two primary moral qualities of the divine being closely related that we may rightly behold the character of God. A loving God who is holy, a holy God who is loving. Dale Moody said this, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns, they just shine. May we cherish the real blessing that if we're a follower of Jesus this morning, we are chosen. Let's stay connected so that we'll be fruitful in reaching others and reflecting the character of Christ. Let's stay connected so that we'll be obedient to God's word and his leading in our lives. Let's stay connected so that we'll be holy in our speech and in our actions. My friends, let's stay connected. Amen.